Hello, welcome to Care Talk. Uh, my name is Laura Packard, and I am the executive director of Healthcare Voter. And uh, today we're going to be talking about healthcare in America and answering your health insurance and healthcare questions as we do every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So let me start by saying that healthcare in America is complicated. And if you're confused or unsure, that is totally normal because uh, our system is a whole bunch of different systems in one. So whether you are a senior and on Medicare, whether you're low income and on Medicaid, uh, whether you have insurance through a small employer or a large employer, or whether you get your insurance through the Affordable Care Act, there's multiple different systems, many different levels of eligibility and different costs and things to consider. And open enrollment is going on for just about everybody right now. Uh, Medicare open enrollment runs through December 7th, and uh, the Affordable Care Act open enrollment runs through January 15th in most states. Uh, but if you have insurance through your employer, the dates may be different, but usually it's about right now that you're going to be selecting your insurance plan for next year. And also, if you don't have insurance at all, now is a great time to see what you're eligible for and sign up to get covered. So the first question we're going to take today is an audio question uh, that we received last week. So let's hear question number one. Yes, my name is Daniel Thompson. I live in Augusta, Georgia. I'm 66 years old. Um, my wife is 68 years old, and I am planning on retiring probably about March next year, but I don't know what to do as far as, like, um, trying to sign up for a plan. I mean, because I'm still covered um, with my insurance, and so is my wife. Um, I went in for a heart cath in August, the end of August, and wound up having a quintuple bypass. I coded twice when I got back to the room. I've still been out of work. I can go on short, I'm on short term disability up to six months, but, um, my wife, my wife's position at her job was terminated um, last Friday due to staying home and caring for me. She was looking at retiring, but this isn't the way she wanted to go out. But anyway, I know we're both going to have to sign up for Medicare, but I just need to know if we can sign up, you know, um, let's say like mid-March, because um, I need to go back and get my affairs in order even though my wife has already lost her job. Um, just kind of sad, um, but uh, I'm happy to be alive, and I'm getting better every day. It's just uh, I've had some complications, and I, I am unable to go back yet. But I'm hoping to be back by mid-December of this year. Thanks for your time. Thanks for this web pod. 
And I hope that somebody will answer me. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Well, glad to hear that you're on the mend, Daniel. Uh, and it sounds like there's a few different things going on with uh, you're on short-term disability. Maybe you'll be going back to work. You're over 65, so you're eligible for Medicare, but your wife is younger. So uh, the answer for you and the answer for your wife may be a little bit different. And let's start with Alika to see what uh, what is available for the wife. Absolutely. And um, just to, again, echo Laura, really glad to hear that you're starting to feel better and hope you're able to keep getting the care that you need. Um, I'm going to defer to Diane on um, your Medicare, but it sounds like your wife, uh, if she's a little bit younger, uh, may not be eligible for Medicare if she hasn't yet turned 65. Uh, It sounds like you're both currently covered by insurance through your job and are wondering what to do when you might retire in the spring. Um, it's important to know that when you leave your employer, uh, depending on you know if your employer meets uh, the state guidelines or the federal guidelines, uh, you may be offered the option to continue that plan through COBRA. Um, and that's a program that lets you keep your current coverage and any progress you've made towards your deductible. Um, because you qualified for Medicare, generally your, your wife may be able to actually stay on COBRA for uh, 36 months. Uh, usually it's about 18, but if you're becoming eligible for Medicare, she might get a little bit longer there. Um, So that's one option. Uh, However, it's important to note that COBRA is usually very, very expensive because you actually have to pay the entire cost of your insurance, uh, including the cost uh, that your employer used. So most people are paying, um, you know, potentially more than $600 a month for COBRA. So that's, again, an option. Um, But we always say it's a great idea to check what um, folks under 65 might be eligible for on the health insurance marketplace. Um, When you lose coverage through a job, um, you're allowed to get a special enrollment period and enroll. um, So you could enroll in March uh, when she loses coverage. Um, Again, that can be a lot cheaper than COBRA because most people are now eligible for some kind of financial assistance. But to give you a sense at Health Sherpa, where I worked, um, we're a web broker. Um, this open enrollment, we've helped nearly a million people enroll, and most are paying under $20 a month. So often really important to check to see what you qualify for in the marketplace. Um, however, on the other side, uh, when you go switch to the marketplace, you're often starting from scratch, or you, you are starting from scratch on your deductible, and often there are fewer doctors available in network compared to employer plans. So our advice is always check what you can get in the marketplace compare that to COBRA, and then see what's going to make most sense for your situation. And Diane, I'll defer to you to talk about Medicare. Fabulous. Um, Wonderful, Daniel, that you're feeling better. And hopefully uh, you'll continue to get to feel better and get back to work next month. Um, If you end up deciding to stop working in March, you do qualify for Medicare. I would reach out to Medicurity office actually first in February, just to let them know that you're going to be leaving your job and that you want to have Medicare effective the first day of the month that you leave your job. So you have no gap in coverage. Um, that could be a problem if you if you wait to, to let Medicare know that you're leaving your job and you have no coverage um, in the interim as you wait. You should get your Medicare the month after you contact Social Security. If you choose to go for the government-administered traditional Medicare program, then um, you will probably need supplemental insurance, which is insurance that fills the gaps in traditional Medicare. So the good news with traditional Medicare is that it's not very complicated. You 
can go to almost any doctor in the country, use almost any hospital in the country, and your care will be covered if it's medically necessary. But there is a copay associated with most of your care. And so you usually have a 20% uh, coinsurance if you go to the doctor. Um, Medicare's approved rate is relatively low compared to probably the rates that your insurer is paying, but 20% can add up quite a bit. So you need that supplemental coverage as well. So to figure all of that out, it's ideal for you to contact your state health insurance assistance program, and they can help talk you through which supplemental coverage um, might be best for you and what that would cost. Alternatively, you can choose one of the private Medicare insurance plans called Medicare Advantage. Each one of those is different. Each one of those covers different sets of doctors and different hospitals uh, in different situations and with different copays and different deductibles. And so it's really a lot of calculating of risks and benefits uh, of each one of them. Um, these Medicare Advantage plans definitely look appealing upfront because um, you don't need supplemental insurance, but you do need to reach deep into your pocket if you're going to the doctor. Um, as you've said, um, you've had some serious medical um, issues. And so um, for you, it might be safer for you to be in traditional Medicare, because even though you'll need the supplemental coverage, the cost of that coverage will be fixed. And then you'll be able to go to the doctor and hospital whenever you need without really worrying much about what your costs will be. It will all be taken care of or almost all taken care of by the supplemental insurance. Whereas if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, You'll have a copay, you'll have deductibles, and they can go on and on and on. Uh, depending on the plan, most of them have an out-of-pocket cap of $5,000, but that's for in-network care only. And so if you end up needing to go out of network to see a doctor, um, then you're um, on your own in many instances. But anyway, you'll have to make that choice based on your needs and your desires and your pocketbook and how you want to spend um, money for health care. Uh, and the best thing to do is to get help through your state health insurance assistance program. The help is free. You can go to shiphelp.org to find the number in your state of the um, ship that will help guide you through this sea of options that you'll have. Yes. So if you're not sure uh, which plan is and which way to go is the best thing for you, you should go to shiphelp, ship like a sailing ship shiphelp.org. And then for the Affordable Care Act, you can go to widget.getcoveredamerica.org to find somebody local to talk you through the uh, ACA piece, uh, possibly for your wife. So uh, good luck, Daniel, and please let us know uh, how things turned out. And uh, we have another audio question. Hi, my name is Eileen Ragland. I know I need to concentrate on an insurance that will cover my uh, med, but it, it, there are so many things on TV, on my phone, every place you look that is trying to sell me their products specifically. I need to maximize, of course, what I've got or what I want to have, and 
I don't have any idea how to go about that. And it's like I really can't stay with what I've got. I'm paying above price for meds now, above Medicare price for meds now. And I just, I am totally lost. And I know thousands of people like myself are also totally lost because there is nothing that that clearly explains. uh, They just want to sell you something. Oh, this is the best plan for you. Yeah, well, that's what I got from AARP and United Healthcare, and it isn't the best thing for me. My income is like one thousand one hundred and sixty-seven a month. Period. No other income but that. And I, I don't totally qualify for medical. If I have a catastrophic illness, yeah, they'll kick in. But until then, uh, I have to pay $144 a month to the federal government and whatever premium uh, the insurance company I choose chooses to uh, ask. And really, I'm between a rock and a hard spot. It's eat, have a roof over my head, or pay for my health care. I can't do all three, and I'm I'm just really panicky. I I I desperately need somebody to guide me. So that's that's a lot, and Eileen is facing very real problems with uh, paying for uh, high medical costs for prescription drugs and uh, paying the rent. Uh, so, what uh, guidance would you have, Diane? Okay, let's um, let's talk this through, Eileen. We have um, a lot of different ways you can go. And I think it's worth exploring several of them because your income is low enough to qualify you most likely for a bunch of programs that can help you with your costs in part, if not in full. Um, If I were you, I would call uh, back the Medi-Cal folks in California, which um, are actually, um, for those of you who are not in California, um, the Medicaid people, but in California, they're called Medi-Cal, um, to see if maybe you qualify, if not for Medi-Cal, for a Medicare savings program and for um, extra help with your Part D prescription drug costs. The Medicare savings programs are for people with incomes above the Medi-Cal level, but still quite low. Um, And those help with Medicare Part B premiums. You had mentioned you're paying $144 a month. Sometimes they help with that. They help sometimes with your co-insurance payments. So it's worth finding out if you do qualify for a Medicare savings programs. The eligibility criteria for 2022 um, should be out. I haven't seen them yet, but they should be coming out any day now if they're not already out. And um, I think that there's a good chance you'll qualify. And I should add here that what we know about those programs is that they can really help you with your costs. But about half of people who qualify for these Medicare savings programs, which pick up sometimes your deductible, your premium, your coinsurance and Medicare, 
Um, a lot of people who qualify are not enrolled. So again, it's worth checking that out. Um, you can do that by calling your state health insurance assistance program. As we were telling Daniel, you can go to www.shiphelp.org. That's SHIP, S-H-I-P, help.org um, for the number of the SHIP in your community uh, to find out if you qualify. Or you can call, um, in your case, Medi-Cal or Medicaid um, and talk to them about what it would take to qualify for those programs. And then specifically for your drugs, um, there is this program called Extra Help. And that program helps with the cost, sometimes the premium cost and sometimes other costs of your prescription drugs under Medicare Part D. Um, you were mentioning you were in a Part D plan that wasn't meeting your needs. Um, as Laura mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, it's now open enrollment period. So you have an opportunity to look at a variety of different Part D options um, that might potentially lower your out-of-pocket costs, even if you don't uh, qualify for the extra help program, which I think you might. Um, but definitely there are programs that um, will cost you a lot less um, and those that will cost you a lot more by hundreds of dollars. So it's worth looking into. The issue is that it can be you know, literally crazy making to try to make sense of all the options. And so again, for you, I would highly recommend going uh, to your local state health insurance program to help you navigate your way through the maze of options that are available. And finally, let me say one more thing. When you go to the doctor next time, ask about free samples. Sometimes the doctors have those. And, you know, at least for the times that they do, it can save you some money in co-pays um, and, and give you a little bit more money to spend on other bases. Thank you, Diane. And speaking of the high cost of prescription drugs, uh, now we're going to talk about Build Back Better, which the House just uh, voted for on Friday. Uh, the Senate has not voted yet. So uh, this bill, what's in it, it could be subject to change. But we're going to talk about what's in the House version as of right now and how it might affect your health and your health care in the next few years. So, uh, Alika, what's in the bill uh, in regards to uh, the Affordable Care Act? Well, uh, a couple of things. Um, first of all, uh, this version of Build Back Better would extend the new subsidies that were introduced earlier this year through the American Rescue Plan, or AIR. Um, and currently those subsidies expire at the end of next year. Um, but Build Back Better, this version at least, um, would extend them a few more years through 2025. And that's that would be really wonderful news because those extra subsidies have been so important for helping make marketplace insurance more affordable for folks really across the income scale. Uh, previously, people who made over, um, previously there was actually a, a hard cap and if you made above that, you couldn't qualify uh, for financial assistance, no matter how expensive your premiums were. Um, so you had folks particularly who are older, you know, in the sort of pre-Medicare age who made just over that income limit and were paying thousands and thousands of dollars a month for those plans. Um, so with the ARP, many of those people now actually qualify for assistance for the first time. So uh, extending that assistance is a really, uh, would be a really wonderful thing. Um, that assistance also had a huge impact for folks um, on the lower end of the income scale too. Um, it effectively made silver plans uh, free uh, in some cases. 
Um, and that's really important because if you are making um, below a certain income, uh, silver plans actually come with extra benefits that bring down your deductible, bring down your copays, make the overall cost of using your health insurance much more affordable. So before the American Rescue Plan, a lot of lots of people were in a situation where they're choosing between a, a bronze plan that has a $8,000 deductible that was free uh, in terms of monthly premiums and a silver plan that might cost them $100 a month, but would have much better copays um, and deductibles. So now um, what's we're seeing with the American Rescue Plan is many people are actually able to afford that better silver coverage for the first time. Uh, so again, that would really make a big difference to uh, extend those subsidies. Uh, one other thing that the ARP uh, did that Build Back Better would extend is allow folks who received unemployment benefits to essentially get treated um, as if their income was very, very low in that lowest income category, no matter what their income actually was. So folks um, receiving unemployment were also able to take advantage of often free silver tier coverage, which was fantastic. So ARP, uh, sorry, Build Back Better, the current iteration would also extend those subsidies, which currently expire at the end of this year for a whole other year as well. So that's two pieces on the, the marketplace subsidy piece. Great. And also, uh, it would enable people that are caught in the Medicaid coverage gap, which means people that are low income in states like Florida and Georgia and Texas and North Carolina that don't make enough money to qualify for the Affordable Care Act, they will be able to get zero dollar ACA plans. Uh, and do you know, would that start in January? Um, I believe last time we checked, though, as Laura, you mentioned, this keeps changing. Um, last time I checked, that would go from um, early next year through uh, 2025 as well. And how that would work, um, again, in the current proposal, is initially folks who made too little to qualify for Medicaid in those states that did not expand their programs would be eligible for marketplace plans that are really similar to that um, That. Uh, what we were talking about earlier with folks in that lowest income category. And then over the course, uh, as we get closer to 2025, they'd be eligible for even better coverage that is going to cover more uh, types of benefits that Medicaid currently does cover. So this would be a little bit of a, um, an iterative uh, thing, but um, certainly a huge benefit. There are 2 million people in the Medicaid gap today, and there is nothing worse than having to tell someone you make too little money to qualify for any kind of assistance. It's a terrible paradox and this would make a huge difference. Absolutely. And then Alica also there's the home and community-based care piece that I think folks will be interested in. Yes, Dan, would you like to talk a little about that? Uh, well, you, you may know more, but a bunch of money has been allocated to expand coverage of home and community-based services for people with Medicaid. And those could be people um, under 65 who don't have Medicare and people over 65 uh, who do have Medicare who could qualify for these additional um, home and community-based benefits, which means that um, you wouldn't need to go into a nursing home if you needed care in many instances. You could actually get care at home. So that's a huge 
huge, huge um, expansion of benefits for people with Medicaid that's very valuable. Yes. Uh, right now, there are uh, waiting lists in most states uh, with people that are eligible for home and community-based services through Medicaid, but the, the state just hasn't allocated enough money to pay for it. So this means people with disabilities and seniors that need help to stay at home uh, are forced, uh, whether they want to or not, to live in institutions. So this will be really groundbreaking when this uh, funding hopefully happens. And uh, what else is in the bill about Medicare and about drug costs, yeah. Diane? Okay, I knew you were going to ask that, so I'm ready to answer. Um, first, let me just say that, th that all the good stuff we're talking about now is stuff that's passed the House. It still has to pass the Senate, and that is going to be, um, that's going to be something to be to behold. We'll see whether um, the Senate can get stuff passed. There's every intention to do so before the end of the year. Um, and we'll see whether they get everything that we're talking about passed. Um, not would that they're going to, but they may not. But for now, here's what's on the table for people with Medicare. People with Medicare um, will get a hearing benefit for the first time ever. Audiology services and hearing aids will be. What will out-of-pocket costs be? It, they will be covered under Medicare Part B, which means that there'll be 20% coinsurance. And again, most people with Medicare um, who are in the traditional Medicare program um, have supplemental coverage to pick up those costs if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan. It could mean um, a copay of as much as five hundred dollars um, a month uh, for, for for your ear hearing aid. Sorry, um, it's it's still unclear um, because what's really unclear is how much the government is going to pay for those hearing aids. So time will tell on that. And then the other big um, change for people with Medicare, and then partly for everyone else, and I'll hand it back over to Alica for, for the, everyone else. But for people with Medicare, Medicare will be uh, negotiating uh, drug prices for um, a bunch of the costliest drugs that people take that Medicare spends money on, but drugs that have been on the market for at least nine years. And um, that won't happen right away. I think that will start in three year 2024. But what that will do is bring down Medicare spending and with that help strengthen the Medicare trust fund and then bring down um, co-insurance and co-pays for people with Medicare who take these drugs. And I believe it's up to 60 drugs, at least as the bill is currently written, um, whose prices could be negotiated. And again, there'll be some of the more popular drugs, probably Humira will be one of them, which is the most popular and costly drug um, that people take. And then in addition to that, we talked about this last week, insulin is going to be capped at, I believe, $35 a month, again, if the Senate passes it. And that's not only for people with Medicare who need insulin, but everyone else. Alec, do you want to talk about that for a sec? Sure. And I, I think you really covered it, Diane. It's um, the, my understanding is that insulin copay cap is, is going to apply to marketplace plans as well. And just you know, from experience, that's one area that is just a huge, huge cost for, for so many people. So really excited to see that uh, piece in. And um, uh, yeah, it's a good, good news if it passes. 
Mm -hmm. And we'll see, uh, because again, we'll see what the Senate does. But it's my understanding, at least for right now, that $35 a month cap is for co-pays. So that means if you don't have health insurance, this doesn't affect you. But if you have insurance through your employer, through an ERISA plan, and also, I believe, through the ACA marketplace, that $35 co-pay will uh, limit the amount that you have to pay for your uh, insulin medication. medications. Uh, And I believe there's also an out-of-pocket cap on uh, drug pricing just for Medicare. Is that right, Diane? Exactly. Yes. Another really important provision in the Build Back Better Act is a $2,000 out-of-pocket cap for people um, getting outpatient drugs in Medicare under Medicare Part D, whether you're in Medicare Advantage, the private insurance side, or you're in the government-administered Part D individual insurance plan, Um, the most you'll have to pay is uh, $2,000, which, of course, is super, super high, but it's it's much better than what we've had in the past, which is no cap whatsoever. So it it will make it a lot easier for people on multiple medications to afford their drugs. And then finally, and this is an interesting provision that affects everyone with insurance, Um, What the government is doing is um, requiring uh, prescription drug companies um, uh, to not increase drug prices from one year to the next more than the rate of inflation. So what that means is that the amount they can charge you for a drug next year is limited significantly because we have seen drug prices multiply two, three times Um, in a very short period of time, and that will no longer be allowed under Build Back Better as the House has passed it. Now we have to hope that the Senate will pass the House version of the bill or something very cool. Yes. So make sure to call your senators and tell them that this is important to you and you want them to vote for all the healthcare pieces because in the next couple of weeks, the Senate is going to work on their own version of the bill. And we might see something uh, in the first week or two of December. There could even be a vote as soon as the first week or two of December. And once the Senate passes their version, it goes back to the House. And then the House has to accept the Senate's change changes or they have to uh, have a conference committee and and negotiate between the two different bills. So most likely the Senate will make changes. Contact your senator to make sure those changes are good ones and not bad ones. And we will keep you up to date and we will be back next Monday to keep answering your healthcare questions. 